My name is Jamal Abdelhim Abdurrahim Barawuthi, and I am recording this podcast on Tongva land. I started report recording this podcast in 2020, and through that process, I ended up unearthing some stuff that I didn't know that I hadn't worked through, really. <laughs> and I had to take a pause because it just dug up a lot of feelings that I didn't hadn't sorted through yet, and I found it really difficult to push forward. I got into therapy, started pursuing treatment for ADHD, uh, and got into a very serious relationship that I am thankfully still in. But I, in the back of my mind, kept wanting to come back to this podcast because I had really laid out a handful of episodes and I want to see it through. <laughs> so if you're listening to this and this is your first episode that you're listening to of the True Gay Icon podcast, thank you. I hope you enjoy it. If you're back and you've listened to my other episodes, thank you. Welcome back. And I hope that this will be the first of many new episodes. So, without further ado, let's get into it. Hi, welcome to my third episode of my podcast. My name is Jamaluddin Amdurahim Barouti, and I am the true gay icon. Coming out is a weird thing, I think. Many people assume that, you know, coming out is kind of a cornerstone of the queer experience. One of the first questions people ask each other, even within the queer community, is how old they were when they came out. And for me, you know, it definitely was a paradigm shift when I uh, came out. But I also have learned that it's not fixed, you know, it's, it's not like you come out and then all of a sudden, boom, you're gay, everybody knows, or boom, you're queer. And I think that, that really we come out every day to, in different capacities. Every time I go to a job interview, every time I meet someone new, you know, when I leave my house, if I'm dressed in a way that's more visibly queer, quote unquote, I think that that we're always in a state of coming out. I struggled with my sexual identity a lot when I was a kid. And for a long time, I never realized how much I struggled, really, because I was raised so devoutly Muslim that I thought thinking about anybody in a sexual capacity would send me straight to hell. So I was just kind of already really ashamed of having an attraction to anyone and then layer on the complexity of being attracted to people of the same sex. I didn't know how to navigate it. And so I tried to suppress it. And I didn't actively avoid it because of avoid coming out or avoid my attraction to uh, other boys or other men because I thought I would be socially ostracized. I really thought 
that I would incur the wrath of God. And as I get older and I kind of distance myself from that belief and that, uh, that time in my life where faith had so much control over my, my own thoughts, I realized that I have always avoided talking about my feelings and avoided talking about being attracted to people, even, even women. <laughs> when I was a kid, I, <clears throat> I knew that I had, you know, crushes on boys and that that was not okay. The reason I knew it wasn't okay is because nobody ever talked about it. There was always jokes about me, you know, falling in love with the next door neighbor who was a girl uh, and how we would have a wedding and all of these things. And obviously in, 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 um, in media, all I was seeing, I mean, I was born in 1992. So all I was seeing on media was heterosexual couples. So it took a long time for me to really come to terms with being gay. And it started with making a gay friend. When I moved to the Middle East, I was 17, and I met this man who I was like, when I met him, I remember thinking, finally, somebody who's just like me, a straight man who's just a little effeminate, who likes girly things, kind of eccentric. And then one day he started talking about his boyfriend. <laughs> and I remember thinking like, damn it, <laughs> not him too. But at the same time, being so intrigued because he seemed so normal to me. And I had built up this idea of gay people in my mind of being um, just like being gay, being their only dimension. And this person was so multidimensional that I just couldn't believe that they were gay and they were and it was still a slow process when I met him obviously I was not in a place to come out immediately and it wasn't like oh wow that's what gay is and then I came out it still was months and months of reflecting and at the time I was in a relationship with a woman or a girl and, and you know we were both studying abroad and so we just never knew if we would ever cross paths again really and at the same time I was attracted to men I was starting to talk to men I was by myself in a foreign country and men were approaching me and I had never thought of myself in that context but it became something that I was very comfortable with talking or not, not talking about, but with approaching, you know, I had lost for other reasons. I had lost kind of my, uh, sense of shame and guilt around experiencing things that I hadn't been exposed to. Um, for anybody who's interested, I've written some about my struggles with kind of substances and how that relates to me being raised Muslim. But around the same time, I started to really reevaluate all of these other kind of beliefs that I held, and one of them being that being gay is wrong. Now, I lived in the Middle East for about a year, 
two semesters worth of schooling. Uh, I did Arabic education. And my first semester is when I met this man who's gay. And he became part of my friend group, very close friends. And just, you know, I never really talked about it. And at the same time, I've never tried to change my personality. I've always been a very flamboyant person, even when I was, uh, you know, vehemently denying any attraction to men. I was just as flamboyant. So, you know, everyone around me kind of knew. But it took me getting really comfortable with my friends and, and feeling like I was in a safe place to really share my own coming out. My, or my own identity, my own truth. Now, at this point in time, I lived with this friend and another friend of ours, and we were sharing a, an apartment in Jordan. And I took a trip by myself to my father's village in Palestine. And on that trip, I spent a lot of time alone, obviously. And, you know, there's a language barrier between me and my family. And even at the time, I spoke Arabic, but I spoke a very kind of formal Arabic. Um, and so I just didn't, I wasn't able to communicate as well as I wanted to. And, and so therefore, I just spent a lot of time kind of reflecting in my grandparents' home. And I came to this realization that I could spend every day <laughs> with this man that I had become friends with and I could be in a romantic relationship with him and really be happy and be content. And I remember sitting in my grandparents' house and it just like laying on their guest bed and it just hit me. I was like, Jamal, you're gay. You're gay. <laughs> and from the moment that I said it, I like, it ate me up inside. I had to tell everyone. The very first person I told <laughs> was actually my Jidda. And after I had had this kind of revelation laying in bed, I came out of the room and went into the kitchen and she was already busy making breakfast. And she said, Yalla Habibi Ugud, Ukud, Ukud, which means sit. And she started putting plates in front of me, eggs and hummus and pita bread and cucumbers and tomatoes. And I <laughs> just had to say it. And so I said, in English, <laughs> Jidda, I'm gay. I like men. Now, my Jidda doesn't speak any English. <laughs> and so she looked at me and said, Yalla, habibi chul, which means, come on, baby, eat. But it was, it felt like enough for me at that time that I got it off of my I got it out of my body, out of my head, out into the open. And from that point, 
it just ate me up. So I, I ended up going home to Jordan, um, and I couldn't sleep for like three days. And my roommate and I, not the one that I was in love with, but the other one ended up staying up late one night watching the holiday on TV and drinking. And she said, I feel like there's something you want to tell me. I don't know how she knew, but I, I had had a, a story, an encounter that I had actually with our next door neighbor um, that I wanted to tell her about because I had felt really kind of like wronged by it. And I knew, though, that I couldn't tell her that story without coming out to her. And so I came out to her. And she listened and, and kind of held me, you know, gave me a hug and held me and um, told me it would be okay. And then she said, let's go tell Matthew, who was our other friend. Let's go tell, let's go tell Matt. So Matt had stayed out late the night before, actually, um, with someone else who <laughs> I later found out had come out to him. So he was sleeping before we were, and we climbed into his bed. And I told him, I have something to tell you. And I said, I'm gay. And I thought he was going to make a joke or like, you know, make fun of me or something, just because that was, you know, our relationship and something lighthearted. He put his arm around my head and he just held me for a minute. And the three of us sat there in silence. And he said, what do you want to do about it? And it seemed like a weird question to me. <laughs> I was like, I'm out. We can be in love now. <laughs> in the back of my head, I'm thinking, I'm out. Let's get married. Um, but up until that point, really, I had been thinking about it in such a limited view of like, I want to come out to tell this story. I want to come out to express my feelings for this person. But the way he said, well, what do you want to do? I realized, like, I have a whole life ahead of me that this is now going to change. And he said, where do you want to be in three months? Where do you want to be in six months? And where do you want to be in a year? And I told him, I don't want to hide it. I want people to know. <laughs> and, you know, that was, I had, at that point, I had been living in the Middle East for about eight or nine months. I had another month or so before I was moving back to America. Um, but from that moment, just the very next day, I started being much more open about it to people and to our friend group. Obviously, no one in my family, but to our friend group, I started to live really in my truth and comment when I found men attractive or when I saw someone on TV that I thought was cute, things like that.
And it got to the point that it felt so normal towards the end that I started to really like get scared for when I moved back to America, what it would be like. And that's when I knew that that would be my first task moving back to the States is coming out, is telling everybody who I am and how I had changed. And I hadn't changed, you know, that's, that's what's funny about it to me is I'm sitting here saying like how I had changed, but I didn't, I felt free. I felt like I had finally been able to get something off of my chest that I had carried around and carried with such shame for so long that I felt free and excited. And I was still scared. You know, there's so much unknown at that moment. I was 18. I had never really been outside of my high school girlfriend. I had never been in a relationship. None of them had been, you know, very physical. And so there was so much like unknown territory that I was so frightened of. And I'm grateful that he had taken that moment to really ask me, to force me to reflect, like, what do I want from this? And so a month later or so, I packed my bags and headed home. And I lived in Oklahoma <laughs> with my sister. Her um, husband at the time was stationed in Fort Sill, Oklahoma. And so my oldest sister, Aisha, is the first person that I came out to in my family. And it wasn't day one. It's not like I got off the plane and was like, I'm gay. <laughs> it took, you know, some building. I had, to, I had to build up my own confidence in knowing that this is the decision I wanted to make. And really what what pushed it over the hill for me or pushed it over the edge for me was realizing how much I was editing myself. And I'd come from this place just a month prior being in Jordan, in Jordan, you know, in the Middle East, feeling uh, free and feeling open and able to talk about whatever I wanted, like, oh, that person's so cute or, oh, they're hot and whatever. And then I was back in America and I was editing myself. And so one night, my sister and I were staying up late. Her husband had gone to bed. And um, I don't even remember how it came around to it. But I told her, I said, Aisha, I have to tell you something. I'm, I'm gay. And I remember she just kind of smiled. And she looked above me. <laughs> And hanging on her wall was a picture of me at probably, you know, 13 years old in full drag. <laughs> um, just a character that I played one night and had done my makeup. She had done my makeup. And she said, yeah, baby, I know. I know. And she said, you know, someone told me once it's hard to, to talk about something you don't fully understand. And that I just didn't understand it yet. So I couldn't talk about it. And she gave me a big hug and asked me, you know, about kind of how I felt about it. What 
what I thought about it. And I just remember feeling comfortable, you know, just feeling like, again, such a relief. But already, <laughs> you know, this is, what, a month into my life, <laughs> my new life as a homosexual, and I had come out two, three times. I even remember at one point in my, you know, the the few weeks that I had been back in America, I messaged my friend Matt and I was like, God, it would be so much easier if I just posted a status on Facebook. If I just was like, I'm gay. And he was like, yeah, if you want to. But he reminded me like, this isn't about them. This is about you. And I, I honestly was afraid that I would lose friends and that I would lose community and that people would be mad at me for keeping a secret especially you know again I grew up as somebody very flamboyant very out there so there were people who were you know defending me and defending my uh personality no no he's not gay he's just metro he's just <laughs> feminine he's just in touch with himself and it was hard to come to them and be like hmm I'm actually gay because I felt like I was letting them down. Like I had, you know, allowed them even to live a lie. And that's just not true. I was living. I was the one living a lie. You know, it, it doesn't matter to them. <laughs> they were just being good friends, you know, supporting me and, and defending me. So after being in Oklahoma for a while, uh, we made the trip to Reno, a road trip actually to Reno, back home, and and I started to tell my friends, and uh, I got a Plenty of Fish profile. This is before I knew what Grinder was, but I had heard of Plenty of Fish. Shout out to Lady Gaga in the telephone music video. Um, and I. You know, I, I told my friends, I we had a dinner and got together and I told my friends over, over appetizers that I was gay. My friends who had known me, you know, since sixth or seventh grade, they were really close friends with my girlfriend. <clears throat> and one of them was so offended. <laughs> like, this is how you tell me we've been friends for so long and you tell me over chicken wings. I remember just thinking, like, it's none of your business. I don't have to tell you at all. And unfortunately, it felt kind of isolating. You know, some not all of the reactions. And it's not that they were negative. It just, there was a very real distance. I had outgrown a lot of these kind of friendships in my head. And, and I felt like... I wasn't really being given the benefit of the doubt or just like the grace that I needed at that point in time. And this is before I had really come to terms with some of the, you know, the bad things that had happened to me that made me want to hide these things. You know, I had been harassed and sexually assaulted and these things that I hadn't unpacked yet. And so... 
you know, I just thought that people who would support me would, and those who didn't, didn't, and I didn't need them in my life. And when I think about it now, I'm sad that I also didn't have grace for them. As I had not had, you know, an encounter with any gay person, I didn't have the context or really just the courage or confidence at the time to be the gay friend. And I think that's sad because I feel like that, that, you know, that hinders their experience. And not that I'm here for their consumption or their experience, but like I was a good friend of theirs. You know, I still am friends with many of them online. And I think that really could have been a great opportunity for all of us had I had I been a little bit more open and understanding to, you know, that it can be jarring to to receive that kind of news. Regardless, I push forward. I got a boyfriend on Plenty of Fish. Uh, a boyfriend who ended up being friends of another friend. And ultimately, it kind of outed me. <laughs> because without me really thinking about it, I was talking to men on Plenty of Fish. And without thinking about who they knew. And, you know, but it got back to my friend group, really, that I was dating men. I was looking around for men. Um, my first boyfriend was an ex-Mormon who was closeted still. The first and last closeted person I ever dated. I just didn't have, you know, I didn't understand, again, at that time, how different it is. How weird it is being out and dating somebody who's not. And, like, I figured I had just come out so I would be you know, in a position to to be with someone who is also in that process. But what I didn't realize is that person was not in that process, was not interested in, in undergoing that process at all. When it comes to my family, I had, I as, you know, I came out to my sister. Then I told my brother. I It was important to me to speak to my brother kind of one-on-one -on -one because, because I... You know, there were whisperings that he was gay, too, and that he had been with men or whatever. And I just didn't want him to feel like he couldn't come out if I was going to come out first. You know, I didn't want him to feel like I beat him to the punch, which now as I'm saying it seems so funny. But, you know, we we were raised in a patriarchal culture and a culture that puts a lot of importance on being the sons and, you know, our father was a religious leader in our community. And so there's just a lot of social pressure, I think, for both of us. And so I told him, and I remember we were standing in the kitchen and I said, I don't know, you know, what you want, what you choose, but I am gay and I'm going to live my life as an out gay man. And he told me that, you know, he thought at one time that he was gay, but that he just doesn't feel like that <laughs> anymore he went on to marry a man <laughs> so I guess he feels like that more than he thinks but then I came out to my other sister you know he my brother supported me came out to my other sister also supported me she said she kind of knew 
and that she was excited. I remember, she's the only person who really smiled about it, who was excited about it, who wanted to know, like, did you get with any hot guys? And, <laughs> uh, I told her over some drinks one night. Uh, she invited me out with her friends. and That was probably the most natural, I would say, out of all of my coming outs to my family. And then I came out to my mom, and I don't exactly remember the situation. I remember sitting on the couch, and I think we we just ended up, it just ended up coming out. And unfortunately, my mother made the decision to come out to my father for me. And that was really difficult for me to process. And I didn't realize at the time like when it happened, how how much it could hinder my relationship with my father. Um, but, you know, it really did because we never had that conversation. It was not something... It, at the time, my father was living in the Middle East. He was living in the village that I was just in. But there was no one around that he felt like he could speak to. My mother's reasoning was that she didn't want him to be surprised. She said, your father hates surprises. And, you know, I can understand that, but I just think, like, you can't protect everyone. And sometimes, you know, when we want to protect things, we think we know what's best for people. But in that moment, I really wish she had come to me to, to encourage me to speak to my father versus making that decision for me. Because my father and I just have not been able to see eye to eye since. And he was sad. You know, we did, we spoke on the phone and he, you know, was, I think he was worried more than anything. He didn't want me to have to endure the things that he associated with being gay. The violence, the you know, name-calling, the all the hardships. But we didn't have a conversation about it face-to-face -face until he moved back to the United States a few months later. And we went on a car trip, a car ride. I don't remember now where we were going, but I remember it was just the two of us. And just for background context, I've talked about it before, but my father was the volunteer imam of our local masjid for, you know, 15 years. And so all through my childhood, he was the imam of our mosque. And, you know, he pushed for Sunday school, helped teach Sunday school, was there every Friday, you know, the guy. And so he had a name and people looked at us as the imam's kids. And there was an expectation of us to be very devout and all of these things. And we were driving, my father said, you know, I might not understand what you're going through and, and kind of understand your perspective, but I can't imagine being my child, being who you are and where you come from and still wanting to live this way and still wanting to live out as an out gay man that takes a lot of courage 
And for that, I will always be proud of you. <laughs> How do you argue with that? You know, <laughs> I felt validated. Of course I felt validated. It felt like, yes, okay, he, yes, I'm here. He gets that I'm here. He gets that I'm gay. He gets that this is how I'm going to live. Um, but unfortunately, if, even in that, you know, it was coming from a place of tolerance. It was not coming from a place of I'm wanting to understand you and who you are, who you're becoming. And there were still all of these things that we didn't discuss, you know, about sex and about relationships and all of these things, because I had gone from pretty much believing I would have an arranged marriage to my father not wanting to discuss me in any romantic capacity whatsoever. And so it was like, I was out on my own. I went from having all of this oversight and all of this control and all of this kind of like influence over who I'm looking at, who I'm thinking about, who I'm talking to, etc., to none. And that is dangerous. You know, I, I was 18. I was not in a place that I had my like wits about me when it comes to sexual assault, when it comes to, you know, sexual health in general. And I was venturing into new territory at freshly 18 into a community that is historically, you know, under tooled when it comes to these conversations. And so that's really, you know, what I wish had gone differently about my, my coming out to my family. I wish that they had had more knowledge to understand that it wouldn't be an overnight change. And just because I had this confidence to come out didn't mean that I had it all figured out. Because I had to go through a lot of shit <laughs> to learn shit that I should have known or shit that I wish that I had been prepared for just dating in general and, you know, sex and drinking and partying and getting to know people and courting, all of these things that I had no tools for, I had to learn the hard way. And I'm, you know, grateful that I have gotten out relatively unscathed, I will say, maybe emotionally, but, you know, I'm, thankfully, I am, am, safe and in other aspects I just wish that there had been a little bit more for me a little bit more guidance uh you know I wish I had more of a, a queer community and at the time I was still so ashamed that I wasn't relying you know leaning back on on my friends that I had come out to originally I felt like you know these were things I had to go through for myself particularly because I was Muslim they were not you know, I had to navigate this whole experience of being a Palestinian and a Muslim that they had no context for. And that took me a really long time to understand. And I think, you know, it's still evolving. It wasn't until years later that I started to really unpack my feelings about gender and how I, you know, identify and what does it mean to be gender nonconforming and do I feel aligned with my gender? And it's something I'm still unpacking. You know, I'm 30 years old now and there's things that I will get ready for an out for an event 
and I will be feeling cute, looking cute, looking femme, and like feeling my my judge, and then have a breakdown that I look like a man in a wig. <laughs> and, you know, like I said at the beginning of this, I think that we come out in various capacities every single day. I have brought my queerness to work and I've had it received negatively. I've had it received positively and everything in between. And I think that, you know, my hope for the generation of queer people now coming to into themselves now my hope is that they have more resources than i did they have people who can share their perspectives and their stories and the things to be careful of because you know i think that the dominant culture when it comes to sex and it comes to relationships is built on one of misogyny which is ultimately exploitation exploiting women and treating women in a specific way that is dehumanizing that it removes their autonomy etc and i think often those dynamics are attempted are attempted in queer relationships and so if you don't know <laughs> what to watch out for it's very easy uh to get wrapped up in that in in those things and to get hurt and so i hope that this next generation has more resources more guidance more models to pursue because you know while i had these difficult times and and all of these kind of learning moments and these issues or these social dynamics that made me vulnerable and uncomfortable i have never regretted coming out I have never regretted coming out. Not for a single day. How old were you when you came out? Have you come out? Do you know someone close to you who has come out? Have you been able to support them in a way that maybe the younger you wasn't. I hope that my story and sharing my story can help others feel less alone and feel less scared to reach out if they need help. My top advice is stick to your community. Stick to the people who have your best interests in mind. Stay away from those people who are 10, 15 years older than you who are looking for a warm body because they have things that they need to work out and you do not owe them anything. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode and we'll be back next time. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at TrueGayIcon. You can send me an email if you really want to, TrueGayIcon at gmail.com. And if you liked this, share it with a friend, please. Thanks so much. See you next time.